realfaith.org.au. I could see this one particular bay and I decided, well, it looks like there's village there. Let's go to that bay. So we pulled into that bay, dropped our anchor, and within a very short time, they canoed out to us. About four or five canoes canoed out to us. They actually said, congratulations, you're the third boat to arrive. And I said to them, what, this year? And they said, no, ever. Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life and Real Faith with Eric Scatterbo. Well, their family home is a boat most of the time and they have a Facebook page called Island Home Goes PNG. What is this all about and what are they doing? We'll find out today as we have a chat with accidental missionaries Jeff and Marina Jansen. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having us. Glad to have you with us. And yes, you are described as accidental missionaries. How does somebody become an accidental missionary? Um, that's a long story, which I hopefully we get today. But the first thing I've got to say is we really don't see ourselves as missionaries. We just see that we're doing what God has called us to do, which in a sense is missionary work. Okay, well, let's go right back to the very beginning. Where did it all start for you two? It all began when we um, purchased a boat in South Africa, and we flew there about four and a half years ago now. And from there, we um, sailed that boat, spent three months in South Africa, sailed that boat to Mauritius. From Mauritius, mm-hmm. we spent a month around Mauritius. That was a three-and-a-half-week passage to Mauritius. And then we did a four-week passage from Mauritius to Perth. Wow, that's a lot of traveling. Yeah, from there, we then traveled around um, this continent of Australia, and we went a anti-clockwise trip around, all the way around, took a year to do that. But we had to do the top part very quickly because of um, cyclone season. We then turned around after cyclone season and went across the top of Australia and did a clockwise trip around Australia. And our whole goal all the way was to spend time in the Kimberleys and, and see that area. After doing the Kimberleys, we actually felt quite empty, even though people saying you live in the dream, you... Uh, doing this fantastic adventure, we really felt quite empty. I actually said to Marina, you know, I feel empty. I really want to make a, a difference. I want to make a difference to the people around us. And she said exact, she felt exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And a short time after that, we had three separate people come to us and say, you need to go to Papua New Guinea and go to the Louisiades, which is a set of islands off to the east of the mainland Papua New Guinea. And I must add that those three individuals were non-Christians, but they did say that that's where we're to go next. And so that is a very remote part of PNG? Extremely remote. It ends up being um, really Australia's closest neighbour. When you're talking about missionary work, you don't get closer as a country than Papua New Guinea, and there is probably the most third world people that you're going to come across. They don't have the islands that we're going to. They don't have roads, cars. They don't have public transport. There's no airstrip there. There's no internet, no phones. So they can get phone signal if they climb to the top of the mountain, and one day out of five they might get a reception. 
and they will probably have to still try that several times to try to get out. It's um, not really Western or modern in any shape or form. They get around in dugout canoes. They sail around yeah. in dugout canoes. Well, I want to hear about your adventures there, but first let's back up a little bit and find out, well, what was happening in your life before you even had this idea of going to South Africa to get this boat? Yeah, well, we're from Perth. That's um, mm-hmm. where our home base is. Um, Jeff mm-hmm. runs a business there still, a tree surgeon business. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> I've got uh, still a business there because uh, I've got family members running that business for me. I actually don't have to do it anymore, and they um, run the business for me, which gives us the opportunity to do what we're doing now. I was born in Ballarat, Victoria, and I moved to Western Australia when I was 12. And I met Marina, who uh, immigrated from Holland to Australia in um, Perth. Now, why did you want to get a boat? How did this come about? I'm always that adventurous type. <laughs> I suppose that type of person that swings around in a tree and does all those sort of things, wants to climb the tallest mountain. It's just one of those things that I wanted to do, like to have that ability yeah. to be able to go from continent to continent without having a fuel tanker to supply you the fuel. And a sailing boat's the best way to do it. You feel so free and really the... Um, the wind is your limit, how far you can go. And the Kimberleys. The Kimberleys was also a big goal that we wanted to achieve. So mm. um, just to sail through there and, you know, just see the beautiful scenery and, yeah. So it just started off just uh, a desire for an adventure. And why South Africa? Why was that the place where you got the boat? Um, value for money. At the time, it was uh, Australian dollar was doing really good and we've got – a pretty good value for money. It was the boat that we felt that we wanted to get. So we got a good boat at a good price. It just it had to be that it wasn't in the in the same country that we lived in, but that just gave us a good reason to go across the world to um, sail it back. And I must add, we hadn't had any sailing experience. It just seemed like a good thing to do. We did employ well, wait, wait, wait a second. You were going to sail it halfway around the world without any sailing experience? Yeah, it does <laughs> sound a little bit um, weird, but we did actually employ someone to do that oh, trip okay. with us. And oh, okay. Paul, who was the captain for that trip, had done the equivalent of sailing around the world 10 times. So it oh, wasn't okay. that right, well, dumb. I yeah. wouldn't have come with you otherwise. <laughs> you don't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask Marina, how are you feeling about this whole idea when he uh, proposed it to you? Oh, uh, a bit nervous, especially about sailing the trip back. Um, yeah. But no, we, it went well and it, it really taught us a great deal. And yeah, the guy that we, we hired to come with us was really, really great. And we learned a lot from him. So that really helped. You've got to look at it this way. It was eight weeks of intensive training in um, some of the oceans that are probably the less forgiving. You know, we did do the Southern Ocean, which is one of the most treacherous oceans on this planet. Wow. Wow. Who, who all was on the boat? At the time, uh, we had uh, Marina, myself, Scott, uh, another son, Phil, and my brother came over. For that trip, he flew over to Mauritius and did the leg from Mauritius to Perth. So, uh, and of course, um, Paul, our captain. Wow. So that's how it all started. Just a desire for an adventure. And then you said that you sailed around Australia a couple times? That's correct. Yeah, we went around Australia one and three quarter times. And once anti clockwise and three quarters clockwise. And then that was the end. 
I mean, that was all you had planned for, is that right? That's basically it. Now, after four years, well, close to four years, that's what we had planned. It's like, you, you know how you have a goal and you achieve it? Yep. At that yep. point, we achieved our goal, and what was next? And we really did cry out to God and say, what next? How can you use us? How can you use what you have gifted us um, for your purpose? And it really didn't take it long before he clearly showed us where we were to go. And we had no idea this is where we are going to go, but that's where we've been led to be. Well, before we get to where the Lord led you to be, let's find out a little bit about your faith background. Were you raised Christians, or how did you become Christians? I was brought up um, as a Catholic, and uh, my mum, she would go to do the typical twice-a-year Mass. and But I used to take myself to church probably on the more than odd occasion, just myself, even at the age of six, five, I would just walk to church myself. So I always oh, wow. had a leading to, to go that way. When I moved to yeah. Western Australia... I um, then started going to more evangelical churches and started my walk uh, with Christ as a late teenager and from pretty much from there. And Marina? Yeah, I was raised in a, I would say, probably a Baptist kind of church. Um, as a teenager, I, yeah, no, it just... Where did you grow up? In Holland. The Netherlands. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as a teenager, I sort of, you know, went my own way a bit and, and yeah, you know, just didn't think it was for me. And um, as I went through life, I actually found out that wherever I went or whatever I searched, it wasn't giving me the answers that I that I was looking for. Uh-huh. So eventually I just came to realize in, in just my searching that what was in the Bible was actually true. <laughs> and, um, yeah, 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 that way it came back. I mean, there is that saying in the Bible where it says, train up your, your child in the Lord and, you know, they will never depart from it. And that really was what it was in the end. And how did the two of you meet? We met oh. through a friend at a bonfire uh, where he yeah. said, um, come along. And I think it was his 40th birthday. And uh, at the time, it just seemed like a good thing to do. I, being a tree surgeon, I had this plethora amount of wood to put on the bonfire. So I said to him, that's not a bonfire. Let's make a bonfire. <laughs> so uh, I turned up at this uh, barbecue with a front-end loader with lots, oh, wow. with, with pretty much a couple of big truckloads of uh, wood to make a decent bonfire. And, <laughs> um, and we were introduced as... Jeff and Marina, and um, my middle name is <laughs> yeah. Marinas. So as soon as I said that, he pretty much said, well, it looks like you're Marinas then. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I think that's how it went. That's beautiful. <laughs> Meant to be. <laughs> Our guests today are Jeff and Marina Jensen, who are sharing their story of how they became accidental missionaries. We just found out about their backgrounds and how they met. Next, we're going to hear about how they sailed around Australia a couple of times and then began to look for something more in their lives. All that more is coming up when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. 
If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. And you can listen to past programs about the impact faith has had on others. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guests today are accidental missionaries Jeff and Marina Jensen, and we're finding out their surprising journey. Before the break, we heard their background and how they met. Now we're going to jump ahead to the part of the story where they sail around Australia a couple times and then began to look for something more in their lives. Like I said earlier, we had three separate people say, go to Louisiana's. Marina is a great researcher. She gets online and researches all the places to go and see what to do and people to meet and the customs and um, lifestyle of the people that we're going to meet. We didn't know why we were going. We just knew that this is where we are to go next. So when they said you should go there, it wasn't because that's where some mission work was or you know there was some kind of a ministry intention. It was just to go there. Is that right? Not at all to do with ministry in, in that regard. It was more that we just wanted to make a difference to people. And, yeah, people had been saying, oh, you know, there's such a need over there. And, you know, if you just bring this and bring that, they'll, they'll be so grateful. It was more sort of along those lines. And oh, nev- I see. Okay. never did we even think that we would be doing anything like this. But, um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Probably one way to explain it is we get asked this one question all the time, and that is, What's the best places you've seen? And I normally answer, it's not the place that you go, it's the people that you meet that makes the difference. Mm -hmm. And when people said, go to Papua New Guinea because the people there are just so lovely there, that's what makes the place. It's not the scenery. You can go to fantastic waterfalls. You can go to beautiful bays, see beautiful sunsets. But that can be fairly empty at the end of the day if there's mm-hmm. if you're not there with the right people. So it's all about the people. Definitely, we've found that over the years. It's it's about the people. Definitely more than um, the place. There are special places like sailing into Sydney Harbour for the first time after going halfway around the world is special without a doubt. Oh and, yeah, and is a yeah. special harbour, but. It's definitely the people you meet, and um, we've got some treasures that we would have to say all our highlights have always been really highlighted with the people that we meet, not necessarily the places that we meet. It's the people that we've met there that have made the difference. Yeah, so take us to that very first trip. What were you doing and why? Um, Well, what we're doing, we really didn't know why. We just knew that we were to go, so that's the best thing. So we just uh-huh. knew that we were to go and see the lay of the land and see why we were there. Marina had researched another boat called Maranatha. There's a couple there, Phil and Pam, that have been going to Papua New Guinea for 17 years, and she researched uh, what they'd been doing and what they'd been doing over there. They had a bit of a blog that showed what they'd been doing, but... Best way to describe it, they would talk about places, but as good as you can Google, these places didn't come up on Google. So we didn't know the exact location of what they were going. They did make a um, cruising guide which uh, showed anchorages, but more to the western side of the Louisiades. 
So uh-huh. because that's all that we could find on the net on, on, on where to go and where to anchor and, and have a rough idea about this, the place, um, that's really all we got from that. So from there, that's what we took with us. And um, We met yeah. Phil and Pam at Bundaberg just prior to their departure. So they were leaving the next day. They were quickly packing their boat and getting ready to go. They had to clear customs when you leave Australia on a boat. And we got to sit down and talk to them for a half an hour. That half an hour meeting was very brief. We didn't even get to talk about our faith, that we were Christians at all. And they just talked a little bit about the islands uh, off the Louisiades. And Phil said one small thing to me. He said, if you're going to Louisiades and you want to go for the people, then go to the eastern islands. If you're going there to look at the scenery, by all means, go to the Western Islands. That's not, not saying that you shouldn't go to either. He says the more east you go, the people are more genuine. And that was really what fed us, what led us to go there, is to meet the people and spend time with the people. So when we eventually departed Australia about a month and a half later, because we left from Townsville, we uh, basically went to the most eastern island that we could go, which is Russell Island, not knowing this is the island that Phil and Pam went. We're also very conscious of not trying to have coloured glasses when we went there and to go there with an open vision of what was going on. So we didn't ask them or did too much research on what they were doing. We wanted to see what God was going to lead us to do and why we were to be there. And what were your impressions when you first arrived? Well, our first bay that we sailed into, um, which was quite significant, I used a program that downloads Google Earth images and puts Mm -hmm. us on that image, which gives us a very accurate image of where we're going, bays that we go into, and can see any obstacles that we may hit. A lot of the charts there aren't very good. They're charted quite a few decades ago and don't necessarily have every structure there. So I could see this one particular bay and I decided, well, there looks like there's village there. Let's go to that bay. So we pulled into that bay, dropped our anchor, and within a very short time they canoed out to us. About four or five canoes canoed out to us and said g'day. And they, oh, I was going to say, you, you knew they were going to be friendly, huh? I suspected it. <laughs> uh, but they were friendly. They were going to say, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> exactly. They actually said, um, congratulations, you're the third boat to arrive. And I said to them, what, this year? And they said, no, ever. And <laughs> ever. Um, the previous boat prior to that was in 96, and the boat before wow. that was around 72 was when it arrived. They later on brought out a book a visitor's book that we got to sign, and that showed the previous entries. There were people, other people that had signed this book, dignitaries from Papua New Guinea that visited the island, but not sailing vessels like ourselves, which you would call more like a tourist-type boat. We were the third boat to arrive. The locals were very... um Helpful though, they, they were slightly panicked because <laughs> they said, oh, your boat's leaking, your boat's, you've got water coming out of your boat, but they didn't realize that we had our generator running and <laughs> there was a trickle of water <laughs> at the side of the boat. So they were very intrigued with that, how that all worked, and they just couldn't understand that there was water coming out of our boat. <laughs> and also, if you look at it, that, you know, if 96, it was 17 years had gone past 
with white people turning up in their bay. So if there was kids there that were 17 years and younger, they hadn't seen white people before. There was people in that village, more the older people, that honestly believed we were uh, spiritual ghosts of their ancestors. And we said, no way. And they said, yes, these people believe that you're a spiritual the spiritual ghost of their ancestors. I thought, no, this is Captain Cook type stuff. But it was <laughs> oh, true. Wow. Yeah. 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 Especially the elders. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you stay there? We stayed there about three weeks. That was mainly because after about four days, I actually became extremely sick. Our boat motor broke down. We have a desal plant on our boat, and that desal plant works better when you're in clear water. Even though we're removing the salt, it doesn't help with all the extra sediments um, to filtrate out of there. So we were moving in and out the um, bay trying to get clear water to make um, fresh water. And our motor broke down right next to these big breakers. Fortunately, we manoeuvred the boat back to where it was anchored. We stayed there for the next two and a half weeks because the following day, I got a tropical ulcer on my ankle and that became a oh, lot I got blood poisoning and oh, wow. after about three sets of uh, antibiotics uh, of, mm. of two different types yeah, uh, lots of liaising back how, how are you getting medical attention way out in nowhere there isn't any <laughs> there isn't there's none there there's <laughs> Not just degree, non-existent no, no. we did have um, medical supplies on our boat and oh, you brought your own uh, we've uh, in my family have a couple of doctors, and we were communicating backwards and forwards by sat phone, asking what to do, so forth. But I was bed bound for eight days. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't even go to the toilet. Marina had to bring a bucket to me and help me go to the toilet. Uh, there was no way oh, wow. that boat was mm-hmm. moving, or we were moving out of that bay. And this is when we realised, you know, the medical need there, because this can happen to a local, and they don't have any yeah. anything to to treat it. So then what happened? When we departed that bay, we um, we actually gave them half our medical kit to the uh, medical centre there and just a boat that supplied medical needs for five people doubled their medical supply for an area of um, several thousand. Russell Island has about 5,800 people and it only has two medical centres and one small medical kit that we had on our boat doubled their medical supply. So the Lord is working in your heart, showing you some needs there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. From then on, we um, traveled to other places in Papua New Guinea. We had a couple of reasonably bad experiences. We went to a very remote area where um, it wasn't as friendly. And so we realized that, that we had this drawing back to Russell Island. This is where we're to go back to. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to stop it right there because we've run out of time, but we invite you to join us again next time for more of our conversation with accidental missionaries Jeff and Marina Jensen. It's been wonderful to hear how God is leading them from one step to another and into surprisingly one new adventure after another. But of course, the key was for them to be open to the Lord's leading in their lives and to be obedient to His calling. An example for all of us to be open for whatever new venture God might have in store for us, if 
we only allow him to have control of our lives. Well, thanks so much for joining us for part one of Jeff and Marina's story. And once again, we invite you to join us again next time for part two of their adventure. That's more of Jeff and Marina Jensen's story coming up next time right here on Real Faith. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.